Hello and welcome to Peace of Pod Employment Law Conversations, your go-to guide for navigating all things employment law in England. I'm Sarah Whitemore, I'm your host, and I'm an employment lawyer and senior partner at law firm Warner Goodman, and I've got over 30 years of legal experience. In this podcast, we'll explore the intricacies of employment law, engaging with industry leaders, seasoned legal experts, and successful entrepreneurs to equip you to excel in today's dynamic work environment. So, grab your favourite drink, get comfortable, and let's dive in. So today I'm joined by Andy Munden, and you're the managing partner in our firm Warner Goodman. Yeah. Welcome and thank you for joining the podcast. You're welcome. Just a bit of a chat really about your background and your career to start with. So what made you interested in the legal sector? Well, I wasn't, uh, is, is the starting point. Um, I, I went to university to do economics and passed that, but wasn't really sure what to do afterwards. So uh, I first came to Warner's and the law uh, to help with an advertising piece and to stuff envelopes for an advertising um, program that they were doing at that time for existing clients to show them other services. And there was a big, big table like this of uh, different coloured bits of paper for the different coloured services that we did. And I fold, put them all into each one and folded them with a letter to each of our clients at the time. And it was about a three-week job. It was a huge job. There was, there was a big press um, uh, advertising piece that they were doing but during that time I worked with Eddie Voller who's partner at the time and he took me along to a couple of meetings and to show me a court case and I asked the right questions and I was interested and I was really interested as soon as I saw it I thought wow what an interesting job these people have in the law I hadn't really thought about it before and then it was about three or four months later Eddie contacted me that was just a brief job and said they had an opportunity would like to come in for a chat and that that led to my First discussions in the law. Excellent, I didn't know that. And Eddie was a personal injury lawyer. That's and right. So it was injury work that you came in to do to start with, was it? Yeah, that's right. It was. I can remember I had a discussion with Eddie and William Ware, who was another partner at the time, and I thought it was going to be a, just a little brief chat, but it turned into a formal interview, which which panicked me. And I remember William asking me, "Well, what can you bring to the firm?" And after a couple of goldfish moments, I said, "I can talk to people." And I could talk to all sorts of people, and this job seems to be about people. And that seemed to be what turned it for me, and that I don't think anything's changed. I think this job is about people. And I think that's the, the case whatever type of a lawyer you are. So certainly I'm an employment lawyer, it's all about the people. But you know, on our podcast uh, we've also got Sam Miles, and she's a family lawyer. That's all about the people. Yeah. All of these things are about people and connections. It is, and even even if you're talking about you know quite technical commercial work and, and sort of you know moving buildings and things it's actually for people to work in or to to occupy in some way and to live in so so it all goes back to people and it's and it's the emotions of uh, the outcomes that they're trying to achieve that I think makes the job interesting and makes it uh, certainly varied and different all the time so when we're looking to recruit new lawyers are we looking for people people or are we looking for expertise and experience well the ideal is both isn't it the ideal would be both of them but you can teach legal skills you can teach technical you can bring people on from a young age and particularly with opportunities there are now there is there's a huge amount that you could do so so I think choose the people people first and and build the skills around it if you have to make a choice between one or the other I've got a friend who's a banker actually he's at Metro Bank and uh, one of their philosophies is recruit for attitude train for skills that kind of seems to sum up what you're saying really yeah, absolutely. With people skills, I suppose, or whatever you call it, 
There also needs to be a work ethic. There needs to be a you know an, an interest and a caring, and that's a word I keep coming back to in my mind. Is is you have to care. You have to care about the outcome for the client. You have to care about trying to make yourself better at your job. You have to care about the outcomes that you're producing. But if you care, then then you'll be a good lawyer, in my opinion. Excellent. Which is what we both are. So yes. that's good news. Absolutely. <laughs> So you kind of skirted over it, but you joined the firm in 1995, so we're nudging 30 years now with the firm. That's nice of you to mention that, yeah. Well, I've already yeah. done my 30, so we're, we're both in the same vintage. And I wonder if you went back to that Andy Munden and, and Sarah Whitemore from the early 90s and said, do you know, guys, one day you're going to be the managing partner and I'm going to be the senior partner in this firm. What, what do you think we'd have said in reaction? Would, would we have expected that? Yeah, I think it depends on the, the environment we'd set it. If it had been at the pub on a Friday lunchtime, as <laughs> was often the case in those days, it'd probably been a pretty quick reply, I would have thought. But yeah, I'd, I, 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 I never saw that as likely. Not for me. I think, you, I think you were slightly different. You were a superstar from the day you started, Sarah, and remained so. But no, for me, coming in, I mean, I was the first person brought in like me to work in the legal side who didn't have a legal qualification and hadn't been a solicitor. So then coming up through the legal executive route that I went was very unusual back then. So the thought that you could, I don't think even then I could have been a partner back then under the rules at the time. So no, I would have, uh, that, that Andy Munden would have thought, oh, that's pie in the sky stuff. Eddie asked me quite early on, what, what do you want to be? And I, I said, oh, just the highest fee earner in the firm, the highest, you know, the best lawyer in the firm and on results. Um, so that was the starting point. That's what I wanted to be. And that's what I worked really hard to be. So I, I don't think I would have thought beyond that at that stage. No, it's interesting, isn't it? And you look back on our careers and there have been quite a lot of changes, mm. significant milestones. I mean, you, you met your wife here. <laughs> My wife here, yeah. Yeah, so Tina was on reception. She won't like this story, but at, at the time I lived with friends. But oddly enough, just up the road from where we are now, we lived in a, in a the three of them were still students. So it was a, a lovely house. And I came back from work and they said, oh, what's it like? What's the new place like? I said, it's all right, but the receptionist is gorgeous. <laughs> so right from day one, yeah. you in love at first sight? It, for me, not so much for Tina. It was a <laughs> fair amount of whittling. Took some effort. It, it took some effort. But uh, yeah, no, so I mean, yeah, absolutely. This has been a, a, a place of for, for my family and for all of us. It's a, a, lots of key events in our in our world through around this firm and being here for so long. And one of the things I was going to ask you is about our firm. Um, obviously, there are lots and lots of law firms out there, mm. and you'll find them packed with lots of lawyers with you know qualifications and expertise and so on. What do you think is different about our firm? What brings that family feel to it? Yeah, I mentioned the word care earlier, and it is, it is caring. This, this, this firm does care. The firm cares for the people that work here, and as a result, that caring ethos is carried on through the through the client work that we do. I'll give you a good example. I, I had a brain operation, so two two big surprises there. One, yes, there's a brain, in <laughs> and and secondly, that uh, I had to have an operation, and it was a aneurysm thing. It was it was really scary. It meant being off work for quite a long time. Uh, it was really worrying for Tina. It was really worrying for well for everyone. And this firm just stood by me. And I wasn't—I don't think I was a partner at the time. I can't remember. It was around the time I became a partner. It was a long time ago. But the the firm stood by me, looked after the, the work. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything with work. It, I could just concentrate on getting better, getting back to work, and then getting back to my old self. And 
that sat with me so strongly throughout the years and that's you know I'd, I'd like to think we provide that sort of care to everyone in the firm but what it inspired in me was right I'll give everything for this place then I, I will do everything to make sure that my clients get the best uh, outcomes and that we are the very best we can be so I that's the ethos that I think that, that the firm um, has across the board and I just want to do it more you have to keep working at that you have to keep demonstrating it and, and doing it all the time so it's not easy but that's what I think our firm gives us it's, it's caring about the people in our water group and family as we call them but also then those people give you their best to look after every all of our clients and make sure that they get the outcomes that they want. I think that's absolutely right and you talked earlier about your own journey and being the first one of our legal execs to come through and and ultimately to become a partner. And I think one of the, the strengths of this firm is that we recognise people's um, skills rather than their qualifications. Mm. Um, we've given opportunities to all sorts of people to come through in circumstances where traditional law firms might not. We have promoted non-lawyers to partnership. We don't have any at the moment, but we've had that in the past. We've yeah. brought a lot of legal execs on. And people don't tend to come into the law necessarily through the traditional routes these days. And we've embraced that sort of diversity and, uh, and been very inclusive with it. Um, is that something that's important to you as, as yeah. well as to the firm? Yeah, it's massively important to me because in some ways I was a trailblazer for that and, and um, was the benefit of the forward thinking of the partners at the time to think about that and to change their rules to allow a, a non-solicitor to become a partner. Um, I, I'm so proud of the fact that we don't we don't look at badges, we look at the people, um, back to people again and caring. I look at what the people do for their clients and for the outcomes that, that the clients need and for the, the goals and things that we set for them as a firm. So that that's massive because it's, it, it's I think that, that really drives the ethos of, of the firm in terms of how we look to recruit and how we look to develop people. As you know, we have lots of people who are being sponsored and, and going through a variety of different qualifications and there's some new work that we're doing on that in a minute, which I'd like to talk about. But the, there's lots of opportunity here to develop. And, and uh, you know, I've had some really, you know, top quality lawyers, excellent people that have joined us and then joined the partnership who've been told well, you won't go any further because you don't have the solicitor badge. In other firms. In other firms. Yeah. And then they've come here and that glass ceiling doesn't exist. It absolutely does not exist. And you can be the lad that does the envelopes and, and many years later, if you work hard enough and you're good enough, then you'll, you can be managing partner. And that, that, you know, I'd like to think that's an inspiring story for everyone in the firm because there is no limit to how far you can go here. There's no limit to someone's ambition as long as they'll try hard. And as you said yourself, you know, if you get treated well, you pay back in terms of loyalty and what you deliver for the firm. And those people we have given opportunities where perhaps other law firms didn't see them uh, as, as being open to the opportunity, they're, they're very much people that have then stuck with us as a firm and, and demonstrated their loyalty. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we're very lucky. We've got, you know, not just partners and lawyers, but also the, you know, lots of other staff that work for us and help us with the IT and other things. And, you know, we have that benefit. A lot of them have worked here a long time. I mean, 30 years for us, we're, we're nippers here compared to some. We're certainly not the longest service, are no, we? That's actually, sure. not even close. But they're like a stick of rock with all the good and written between them, between them, aren't they? They are, they are so determined to do their best for the firm and, and, and so um, loyal to the firm. And, and, and that, that, you know, that's been earned by the firm in the, in the way that, that it's treated people. And life, you know, life, okay, I don't want to get too deep, but life is a journey, isn't it? People are on different 
times and there are good times and bad times and you you what this firm does is supports people through those and and helps them and and that to me is invaluable and and why i've stayed here and and now absolutely key to the to the culture that we've got here absolutely and as we've said a few times on this this discussion you and i've been with the firm a long time we've now got to that position where we are in the senior ranks and managing partner senior partner and we've both got roles in terms of mentoring and guiding the sort of younger members of our teams and you were saying earlier about the, the different way that people come through now and what we're doing to support them. I wonder if you want to just explain that a little bit more. Yeah, so we, we've, we've always looked at different ways that, that people can come on. So when I was running the, the injury team, we were the first team to take on uh, an apprentice when the, the new apprenticeship uh, scheme came into uh, fruition. And we've, we've taken on people through that apprenticeship scheme. So that, that's sort of been an extension of what was already at the firm in terms of sponsorship for legal executive, licensed conveyancers, solicitors, training contracts, um, but also marketing, um, HR, you know, other, other types of things as well, accounts, lots of account stuff. So there's, there's a huge amount of people being sponsored and being helped through the firm, and I love that. But we're trying to do something more with that now, and, and in the next few weeks we'll be announcing our, our WG Academy, which is a new way of bringing that all together into, into a coherent uh, grouping. Um, but it also matches some new legal qualifications and new routes to legal qualifications come out, particularly with the SQE route now to solicitor qualification um, and the Silex uh, apprenticeships. So uh, we really want to uh, sort of bring that all together and have um, all those that are going through and being supported by the firm in the WG Academy and to entice those that want a career in the law to, to come into the academy and, and, and join that and, and develop into the, into the lawyers of the future. And it sounds very much like it's sort of formalising what we always did as a firm, that we've always been keen to develop and encourage newer people into the profession to come to the firm and to, to develop yeah. their careers, and that's just sort of formalising that. Yeah, it is. And, and most of that's come from those new qualifications, particularly the solicitor's qualifications. You'll remember it, you did it. It was, it was quite... It was very specific the way you had to work. Oh, it was very it's... tough in my day, Andy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, that was during the war, Sarah. <laughs> oh dear. So let's think about your role then as, as part of the business team and, and as managing mm. partner. So you came to that role as a personal injury lawyer. Mm. What sort of transferable skills did you have or did you have to sort of learn straight away on the well, job? I, I, I'd had the benefit, I suppose, of being in charge of the injury team before. So I'd had, I had the opportunity to manage one of our smaller teams um, and to, to be involved in uh, the management and discussing things with the managing partner and the business team. Uh, at that stage. So I've seen it from that side of things and I've been involved in managing people and all the um, challenges that that can bring. Is it different? Are the skills different? Again, I think like a bit of a broken record, I'm afraid, but caring and people. Mm -hmm. If you care and you care about people, you can do it. And they talk about football managers, don't they? And, and football managers and thinking sheepskin coats and you know all that <laughs> very old things. But I've seen them talk in the past, various managers, about effectively two types of, of people and this isn't exactly true but I think identifying how the people that work in your teams uh, react to things and what what drives them and what what, what helps them uh, achieve their goals but it's about knowing that if you do the same thing to all people you won't get the same results you've got to tailor what you do to the people to get the right results for that person at that time depending on what they're going through and what they're trying to achieve so I think it's about uh, having an empathy with people, having an, some understanding of 
if someone's not able to achieve their targets, but they normally can, what, what's happening? If someone's um, you know, not connecting with their clients in the same way, what, what, again, what is the problem? And then from there, it's just taking that larger across the firm. And I'm really helped by the, the business team and the partners. We're a really coherent lot here in terms of really understanding what we're trying to achieve, really buying into um, all the stuff we've talked today about culture and about people and about having no glass ceilings and being um, as, as, as inclusive as we can be about getting the, just the best talent to the top of the business and supporting those people on that journey. It's not been the easiest journey for you as managing partner. You, when you took over at the height of the pandemic, mm. so life was pretty stressful back then, both for us and, and for our mm. staff. How did you get to grips with the challenges that that threw up? I, I was saying to someone the other day, it doesn't seem real that that happened, the pandemic almost. You know, it's like a weird, bad dream that you can't imagine what it was. I mean, the, the, the key again was... Think about the people, you know, we all went through that together, but we all went through a thing that we've never been through together, which was, you, you know, and this is clients, staff, partners, all of us. Um, everyone's worried about, you know, you've been through recessions and things like that. So I've been through economic sort of downturns and stuff like that before, but this was scary. This was, you know, we're all gonna get this illness. Is it gonna hurt us? What are we gonna do? So I remember in that, those early days, it was all about learning as much as we could. I can remember you ringing in from your garden and saying, <laughs> I found this out, let's do this. And, and learning as much as we could so we could pass that on to the staff to reassure them that we were leading and we understood where this was going and we would get this ship through this, through this storm. And, and that was really, we just had to keep doing that. But the partnership were really together on that. The staff were fantastic. And it was, that was really when, uh, again, the whole Warner Goodman family needed that reassurance and that around the shoulder and that we will get through this, we will find our way through this. And, and we did that by pulling together. And that's what, I, again, what I've loved about being managing partner is we've been able to, through any sort of adversity, to pull together rather than pull apart because we've, we're very clear on what we're trying to achieve and um, looking after the clients, getting their outcomes and getting to the conclusions that they need whilst looking after all our, all our staff. And as we talked about, you know, that those two things are, that they help each other occur. And the pandemic was, was an interesting time, wasn't it? Because there was no rule book, nobody, as you say, everyone was going through it at the same time. They, so often if you're, you know, if you're dealing with things like a redundancy programme, it's just you as business doing that. Yeah. But this was the whole business community and the, the world going through yeah. the same, same issue but without any rule books, without any yeah. guidance. There wasn't a course you could go on, you know, what no. do you do the day a pandemic arrives? The, you know, it, I, I remember watching uh, Rishi Sunak, you know, along with everybody else on a Friday evening saying, so we've come up with this idea of furlough. Have you, what does that mean? Yeah. What's, it, what's it gonna be? And looking for, you know, um, notes mm. on websites and then having clients saying, well, what does that mean? And what will happen yeah. with that? Well, I, I don't know any more than you do. He didn't, yeah. he didn't ring me in advance and say, we're going to do this and and you know we had to be responsive and, and reactive to that sort of stuff and, yeah. and reassure our staff that we knew what Rishi was talking about even if Rishi didn't know what he was talking about. Exactly that and 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 you you were right it had to be very quickly uh, the reassurance was really had to be had to be there because um, of the concerns that people had um, and let's be honest the government were making it up as they went along so there, there, there was no plan there was no rule book but but we, we came up with the COVID committee, which was a slightly bigger than our business team uh, from various 
bits of the business and, and that met daily initially, didn't it? it sort of much like those updates on the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we would sort of guide us through that. It, gradually we were able to reduce that, but um, you know, we had to bring it back when there were those uh, secondary lockdowns and all that sort of yeah. stuff happened, didn't yeah. we? I mean, I'm, I'm you, know, it, it, you know, thankfully, for most people, the illness was relatively okay, apart from some very sad exceptions. But but we got through it, and and more than that, I think it I think it sort of galvanised us as a business in terms of if we can get through that, we can get through anything. And and again, it it didn't change anything though in terms of it's about support, it's about caring, and it's about people. But. What was very key when we were coming back and when we were trying, you know, wrestling like the rest of the business community with hybrid and non-hybrid and, and all that sort of thing is top-down rules uh, is not the way forward. You know, empower those um, working with their teams and their groups to find the best way. And, and as you know, some teams have really embraced hybrid. Others have felt that actually all coming back in has been the way for them. And we've been able to, with sort of some guidelines and some some requirement to be in, but not a total requirement to be in. I think we've got a really good mix now for the teams to, to help them work the best for their people to get the outcomes that they need. So I've, I've been really pleased with how we've developed afterwards into this new post-pandemic world and continue to work and we'll continue to learn and tweak that, won't we, as we go along. But yeah, the it, it's, been, it's been a very steep learning curve as it was for everyone, but it, it was a good time to come in and it was a good time in some ways to sort of you know, come in and, and lead at that point, but it's easy to lead when everyone's with you and everyone's really pushing. That that's that's a nice position to be in, and that's that's where I was. Excellent. Well, then, what about the future? So, you, um, one of your hats. I don't know if you still wear it. it was IT partner? You now have a head of IT that yeah. uh, wears that hat for you. But IT has always been something that's been really important to you as mm. part of the firm. Now, we've talked before about this, but we'll talk for the benefit of the podcast about AI. Yes. Um, where do you see AI and it, it fitting into a law firm? Is it something that you think is going to result in lots of job losses? Is it something that's going to make us all much more proficient? What, what do you think about AI? Yeah, again, it's it's an interesting area at the moment. I've been on uh, with our head of, of, of IT now um, on a couple of conferences. We were at something called the Alternative Legal Tech Conference a couple of weeks ago. And there are some really interesting points there about how AI is going to be used. My view is it will be used. It's a very useful tool um, in the armory in terms of looking things up and giving solutions or or suggested solutions. Um, It doesn't replace lawyers. What it it does is it shortens the time the lawyers need to do that sort of research time on, but you still need the lawyer to put some sense check into what's there and to tailor it properly to the outcome and the, 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 the client wants to achieve. So I think that there is a really a way to work with AI to build on, on, on it. And, and I look at it this way. When I started in 1995, I, was, I had a desk and some books and a piece of paper. There was no computer there. So if you wanted to find something out, you had to go and look it up in a book. Um, and uh, you remember the old boardroom with the old legal sort of uh, things around and then searching through those through the, for, for, for Hallsbury statutes and all that. Well, this is just, it's more than that, but it, it, ultimately it, it can read that really quickly and give you the bit that you need to find very quickly. And it can also tailor that into, into a suggested solution for the person, but it doesn't know exactly what, 
what we need it to know in order to present it to the client. And it, therefore, I think there is a role for, for lawyers within this. I don't think it will make lawyers lose their jobs, but I think it will make lawyers work more quickly. And those that embrace it and don't try and fight it, but actually think let's use it and find the best way to use it, will find that they can offer the, the, the outcomes to their clients more quickly and uh, perhaps more efficiently than at the moment. And clearly that will be subject to some ups and downs and, and you know, there have been some well-documented American cases, haven't there, about AI will also cheat and make up things. So it's very much like people sometimes. <laughs> um, so it's really important that, that it, again, it has that sense check of a lawyer's eyes over it to make sure that what it's producing um, is has been properly sense checked against the, the the proper data set rather than something where it's it's stretched to find itself an answer. And I appreciate I'm kind of talking in terms of Chat GPT and the way that works at the moment, but it it will develop. I mean that's sort of uh, well I know I think it's version four now, but it's still pretty early on, isn't it? In its in its development, it will it will continue. Yeah, really... I, I I think it will be it will change the market because lawyers that rail against it will struggle. And, and I think the whole um, speeding things up is an interesting thing to think about as well. So I think if we look back to when we joined the firm in the early 90s, you know, if you had a client who wanted to know how much they owed you, you had to dictate a memo, it went over to Ferrum, they yeah. cracked up a thing, and sent back a report, and maybe two or three weeks down the line, you'd go back to George and say, well, actually, it's £75 you owe me at the moment. Yeah. So there was that sort of time, like, and the same with advice, you know, if you yeah. had to then go to the library and find yeah. the right case in the right year and whatever and read it and think about things and come back, it took time. And then email came in um, and suddenly, you know, letters that would take a day to get up from the reception area to your desk were arriving by the, by the hour, by the half hour or whatever. I wonder to what extent AI is going to increase the pressures on our lawyers and how much we need to be aware of the pressure to do things quickly and it, it sort of impacting on their well-being. Yeah, and, 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 and that, I mean, even now that's a challenge, isn't it, in terms of how quickly can you answer because emails are, uh, you know, most of how we communicate with our clients and it's immediate. And, and again, going back to the to the good old days, and by the way, when we started, they used to talk about the good old days they in did. the 50s. Um, it used to be a letter, it would be an expectation that a letter would take a couple of weeks for something to come back um, with two lots of post and a bit of time to think about it. Now it's an email and sometimes, depending on the situation, 10 minutes later, why haven't you answered my email? And, and that does, that, that, that is a challenge to, to continue to provide good client service. But it's about, isn't it about managing expectations and working with the clients and saying, well, this is what I can provide to you and this is, this is the speed that we can do it. Yes, AI may uh, add to that because people get used to sort of quick, well, we can all Google things, can't we, and things like that now. So we're used to, to quick answers in other spheres of our life. Why can't I get a quick legal answer? Well, unfortunately, it is more complicated often because the details of you, one person's issue are very different mm -hmm. to the next person's issue, even if on the face of it, they look quite similar. So I think, it, I think there will always be pressure, but it's about um, communication at that point with our clients about how quickly we can provide a response that, that's full enough for them to actually give them the outcomes that they want. And, and then readdressing that if we feel that, you know, that, that they're 
there's greater pressure than we're sort of expecting. Mm. Not going to be easy, that. I haven't got an easy answer for that, I'm afraid. But I, I, I'm not sure AI will add to it because I think email added enough to, to that requirement um, to, to respond quickly. And, and it does seem to me that, you know, again, when we talk about client care, responding quickly is one of the, the, the really clear things to do, even if all we can say as lawyers is, I can't deal with that until tomorrow morning, for example, or something. At least the person at the other end has heard, you've got it, you're dealing with it, and I feel reassured that it's being dealt with, and, and I've got an expectation of when, that, when I'll be responded to. Absolutely. And then I think it's down to us as partners um, in running our firms to understand the workloads that our staff have got and what pressures they are under. And, and there's all that new regulation that the SRA have brought mm -hmm. in, haven't they, about treating colleagues fairly and with dignity and respect and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And that extends to understanding those sorts of work pressures, doesn't it? It does. And that's the, the well-being strategies and, and things that, they, that the SRA are really pushing on their thematic reviews at the moment. But what's been encouraging for us is that actually working through our staff handbook, and, and you're familiar with it, um, and the, the procedures and policies that we have in place, is that actually it's all there. It's not called a wellbeing strategy because it's hidden amongst mm. lots of other things, so we will bring it together. But it's always been there, it will remain there, and we'll work very hard on that. I, I, I think that, yes, you're right as partners, we have to drive that. But here's an example. Last year we started our Reset and Refresh campaign and that was actually post-pandemic uh, inspired wasn't it it was about getting back to a new normal after everything that was there and, and what we did is invited staff to um, give us ideas as to well, what would make what would make working here better and it was under certain pillars of things that we wanted to be so supportive etc flexible and and a couple of easy examples from last year and we're doing another round of it this year with a with a cross-section of the staff across the business is that we increased our holiday entitlement here. So it was to reward and to recognise that people work very hard and to give them some more time to, to enjoy with their families and friends and, and do what they want. No reduction in productivity, quite the opposite, uh, an increase in productivity and a, and a better work-life balance for, for our staff because we've been able to support them when they're on holiday and you know, get work covered and things. So I think we've always worked hard to think about the people in the well-being strategy and and find it now you know there are pinch points in you know as lawyers there are times when it gets very very busy if you've got lots of cases coming up at once or depending on the type of transactions or whatever it is that you do so you know there are there are times when when it's all hands to the pumps and that's what it's got to be but then there needs to be some quieter time where you can relax and, and get your work-life balance exactly as it is and then that goes not just for the lawyers but all the staff in the firm and how do you manage your own healthy work-life balance? What are the key things for, for Andy Mundans? Um, well, it's interesting. I, I, I get to work in all the offices and I'm, I get that, that lovely chance to meet everyone. And, 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 and so that's nice. I, 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 I just like people. So if, for me, it's nice having a chat with someone and finding out what they're doing and, and, and things like that. In terms of um, working, I, do you know, I find the hardest day to turn off is the day I've worked at home. Right. And shutting a laptop doesn't stop it all swirling round. Whereas if I've got a you know, a short commute home or whatever, or even a longer commute home, it's that's a sort of reset time into family mode and into what I want to do. So I actually prefer being in offices and then having that physical separation from the working environment. 
and and for me you know life at home as you know i've got two daughters that keeps me very busy uh, we don't watch the saints you know that, that that i'm not sure that helps my well-being but i do do that um play a bit of golf do those sorts of things but but mostly it's just being with the family and friends and just thinking about other things just giving your brain a bit of time to to relax and enjoy itself well, supporting Southampton Football Club must give you the opportunity to think about other things. It's, it surely clears some of that ability to think about work if you're constantly thinking about your football managers and your yeah, performance. Although they're not doing too bad at the moment, well, depending on when this is broadcast. Well, exactly. It does depend because it, it has been a little bit like that. But no, look, I mean, you know, it's great, isn't it? And, we, and by the way, we are, you know, we have... We have Portsmouth supporting partners as well, I should just make clear. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, any final sort of words of wisdom or encouragement that you'd like to share with our audience? In terms of sort of running Warners and, and, and being at Warners and, and what, we, what we do for our clients and, and for the people that work here, it, it's, it, it is so nice to be somewhere where, where people do care. If you do, it, it's really nice to have people pulling together. It makes... It makes work enjoyable. I don't feel like it's work. I mean, not every day is a you know, walk in the park, but it, it, it is, for the most part, a really rewarding, a, a rewarding role and a rewarding job. And, and I mean personally, I, that's, that, that's how I feel. And for people that are thinking about getting into the law, if you're interested in people and you work hard, there's a place for you because it is one of those jobs where it's different every day. And even though you can do it for 30 years, you think you've seen it all, there'll, there'll still be something that'll come along. You think, well, I've never come across that before. How are we going to sort that one out? And that's what makes it interesting and keeps it, it keeps it uh, inspiring to think, all oh, right, well, let's, uh, let's get into that then and work out how we're going to get that outcome for that client. Finally, Andy, yeah. we, what we do with our podcast is we have an audience sourced question. Okay. So we've got them in the envelopes here, and it's for you to choose which question you'd like to answer, and then we'll see what the question is. Go for, go for the middle one. You, you could read it out. Why not? Okay. And the winner is... It does feel like that. I mustn't say that on every podcast, because it really is going to be repetitive, but here we go. So the question is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice related to your career or business, what would it be? Don't worry. Because you work hard, you care, so you'll do all right. You'll be all right. And you have been, Andy, haven't you? Yeah. You're a star. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have another chat like this sometime soon. That'd be nice. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found the discussions insightful and empowering. To stay connected and continue receiving valuable content, make sure you hit the subscribe button and be the first to know about our upcoming episodes. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook and LinkedIn at Warner Goodman LLP, as well as YouTube at Piece of Pod. Thank you again. Until next time. All I want.